0: Ladies and gentlemen, we got One mic. One mic. One One Welcome to the Only One Mic podcast. I'm your host, Carl Gerard, and I hope everyone is happy and healthy, being safe we're going through some trying times right now but this will pass it will pass and just think of it like this is building you up for the things to come so we just gotta keep our heads on straight and we'll get through it i'm just jumping on today just with a couple of stories i'm not going to hold you too long but just want to get your thoughts on this First one that I have, uh, first topic is, un- unfortunately, the death of Bobby Brown's son. Um, Bobby Brown's son, Bobby Brown Jr., he passed away today of unknown causes at the age of 28. Emergency crews responded to a medical emergency at his Los Angeles home. No foul play was suspected. Bobby Brown Sr. has suffered several losses over the years. His wife, Whitney Houston, passed away in 2012. Um... You know, his daughter, Bobby Christina, also passed away in 2015 and her boyfriend, Nick Gordon, passed away earlier this year. Now, you know, we keep our prayers for, for you know, Bobby because the, the man suffered a lot of losses. I mean, that's a lot of people to lose that you love and, you know, you're still standing and that's only by the grace of God. So we have to definitely keep our prayers for Bobby and his family and all the people you know their friends and all whose lives were affected by these people who they had an impact in you know someone's life so definitely uh send prayers to Bobby Brown and his family also I wanted to touch on this particular topic um what are your thoughts on recent school closings um due to the upsurge in COVID numbers now I I'm kind of a mixed feeling being an education of a mixed feeling on the whole topic um because I was just, you know, thinking that I see it on both ends. Because there was a rally that was being held in New York today. And I think a petition went out as well, too. Um, because they were actually closing. They closed their schools abruptly um, due to the uptick in COVID numbers. Now, I'm just speaking in regards to New York at this particular time, because that was kind of like the big story yesterday. But, you know, here in Delaware, all the uh, neighboring states, a lot of these school closures were already happening. Um, I know we just recently had like our district closed down due to an uptick in COVID numbers. And that was abruptly too. We had just only been back about two weeks in the building where, you know, some kids were virtual. Some kids were in the building. We were in the building teaching virtually, which, you know, was a weird situation, but it was understood why it had to be done. And, we were only there for about two weeks, and then I know I left Friday like everybody else. We got a Friday afternoon and got a email on Sunday, I think it was that said school was closed to November thirtieth, and then you know we're thinking, all right, we'll be back November thirtieth, but received another email as of yesterday, yeah, yesterday, I believe it was that said that school was gonna be closed until november the 11th i'm sorry january the 11th excuse me but that was just like the tentative return date every every school has i don't know how it's working in every state but i can speak from delaware i'm a native new yorker born and raised but i live in delaware now and everybody is pretty much doing their thing different now because delaware is a smaller state um we have like what we call like these staggered times i guess for everybody to return if i could use that term. So. The high schools and middle schools who were all virtual, middle school was actually scheduled to return November 30th for in-person. High school was going to stay virtual to next year. So those two those two phases were actually pushed back to have them start in February now. And so the elementary school and special programs, they were all coming back November 30th. Now we're pushed back to January. So we just have to wait it out. And I know yesterday there was a big press conference with Governor Cuomo and he got in kind of a confrontation with a reporter from the Wall Street Journal about this particular topic. Because being that, you know, I think it's like 700 school districts in New York, you know, the the reporter's basically saying that with the numbers, you know, the percentage is being changed constantly that no one has a, a direct bead on exactly what numbers need to be hit in order for schools to close. Now, of course, like I always say, the post and the point in New York have two different opinions, which I say is De and governor Cuomo, because you have governor Cuomo saying one thing and mayor de saying something different. De might say one thing. Cuomo will come back and clean it up and say, well, we're not doing that. You know? So it's, it's just, you know, A big cluster screw on that one. But needless to say, the schools were abruptly closed actually during the actual press conference that Cuomo was having. He was leaving when a reporter said that they received the email from the school chancellor saying that school was closed like as of today, which is Thursday. So a lot of the parents are up in arms and they're saying, well, listen, you know, how in the world are you going to close schools? And we have actually no plans. Cuomo's argument was that there was actual plans that were made. We told you this like last week to be prepared, not only on the hills of the school closed, And they said within about two weeks, bars, restaurants, everything is basically going back to another lockdown. So they have parents out this morning that had like a, uh, I want to say like a protest. Yeah. Like a protest. You can call it a protest against the, abrupt closings of schools and no plans. And, you know, the kids on the virtual learning aren't being successful according to their claims. And they have petitions going around, open up the schools, blah, blah, blah. blah. Now, with that being said, the CDC, the, this is as of this recording. So I don't know anything can change between now and this afternoon but the uh, total number of new COVID cases are 11,465,722. This is this is nationwide that I'm quoting. Um, and in the last seven days per a hundred thousand, it was 49.7, I um, believe that was new cases. No, 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 49.7 in the last seven days. Oh, I gotta look that one up. I might've left something out of my notes full disclosure might've left something out of my notes there on that one. And the total number of deaths from COVID-19 nationwide are at 249,670 during the time of this recording. So that means that there may be more on top of what we already have quoted from the CDC. This is as per CDC, the CDC's website. So with that being said, I weigh the balance on what parents are saying and in terms of health and education, just my thoughts. And I don't know if you would share the same thing, but what happens is, is that there has to be some type of a balance there. I've seen in Twitter how AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said that there needed to be monies given if you want people to stay home and keep their, which I agree, you gotta have something to pay the bills. Now, in terms of the schooling, kids may not, they, you know, parents will argue and say that kids, that, that the schools are the safest place to be for the kids. The argument that was also made was that a lot of the schools, the kids are going to school, but they'll, after school, they're interacting with other people. Like you might have kids going to, you know, each other's houses and things of that nature. So they're interacting with others in the community, and then they're bringing it back to the schools. Now, of course, you know, we had a lot of kids who passed away from this COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, you have the other factions that say, well, kids won't get sick, you know, or schools are safest. Whereas schools can be some of the germiest environments that you can possibly be in. And trust me, I know because I'm in a school and sometimes, you know, kids do what they do. But I will also say as a pro to that, and I can judge from what, you know, my experience is that most kids are adhering to the whole mask and social distance. And they are doing that because it's just the rules you have, you know, it has to be enforced. So most kids are conscious of that fact. But you can still be carriers of this stuff. And you also have a lot of teachers who are, you know, up there in age. Some of them, we don't all walk around, talk about, you know, our medical histories and all. So we don't know what a next person may have or what they're dealing with, where they might have a low immune system, anything like that. I think that kind of keeping them home is not actually working in the sense that some kids need to be in the building in order to learn better. And I totally agree with that. And then you have some kids who are actually thriving on virtual learning. So I honestly believe that depends on the individual. That depends on the individual's environment. You have a lot of parents who say, well, I can't work two shifts and then come home and be my kid's teacher, which you're not actually the kid's teacher, depending upon the grade level, because everything is provided. You know, the teachers are online in the mornings. It's like a regular school day with a few adjustments. So nobody's asking you to actually be the teacher. And then there's a part of me that thinks to myself when I think about my childhood is that that's what parents did. Even when you went to school that it wasn't always all on the teacher. Like a lot of times you would bring classwork home and this is no virtual learning. This is none of this going on. This is just regular school stuff as a parent myself. I've helped my daughter with schoolwork after I've worked a long day, after I've done house chores, after I've done, you know, things where I just want to relax. But I took that time to stand over her shoulder and say, well, here, this is how you do this, this and this. So a part of me is like, do you not want to do this? Is it just all on the teachers to do it? You know, because. When I read you these numbers, that's coming from the CDC website, you still have to be cautious I do agree that there were more plans made for bars and restaurants and and, and the like over education, which was crazy in itself. It should have actually been more on education than it should have been for bars and restaurants. But then there's a part of me that understands that those are people's livelihoods. But if you kind of make more provisions for a person to get a drink than you do for a kid to get his education, his or her education, there's, there's a disconnect there. I think that we are dealing with what we're dealing with and provision should be made, not just in New York. This is not just a New York story, but just nationwide that, you know, maybe have centers or or partner with the libraries or something. It has to be something that can be done where kids can get that focused education that they need. Because the truth be told, if you don't get this virus under control, nothing you're doing is going to work. The economy is not going to mean nothing, not going to mean anything, excuse me, you know, your fun is not going to mean anything. It's hard to have fun with masks and everything on. Well, you have to kind of get this virus under control. So I can see two sides of that particular argument on both keeping the schools open and keeping the schools closed. I can also see two sides of that argument of virtual learning. Do I believe that we're going to lose a lot of actual education or, you know, kids learning? Of course, because We're going, we, we darn near lost what eight, nine months, almost 10 months or so. Well, you might as well chalk it up to about 11 or 12 at this point. So you're going to lose almost about a year of learning, of actual learning. And of course, these, the kids, they're not trying to really piece this together. There's a lot running through my mind on this particular subject. So I'm going to back it up actually. Virtual learning can work. I believe there's a way that it can work. It's much like I told some students today on virtual learning, you have to be engaged. You have to be engaged. I think that allowing kids to keep their, their cameras off all the time without a check-in, you know, not answering questions, things, it depends on your level of engagement. The ones that you see who are engaged are the ones that you know are actually learning. This is also a valuable lesson in the sense of learning doesn't begin and end from eight to three. After three o'clock, your learning still continues. So now they're put in a position, especially when most kids are getting off earlier than three o'clock. They still have the asynchronous work, meaning that they have to work, you know, on the computer, whatever programs that, you know, your district provides. They have to do the actual work, but in the same token, you have to be able to say, listen, go pick up a book. You don't have to wait for the school to tell you to read. You know, you don't have to wait for the school to tell you to do math, practice your math facts. You don't have to wait for the school to tell you to learn something about social studies. In that sense, even though parents will say, well, when, you know, we're not, you know, supposed to be the teachers or whatever, you're their teaching. In fact, a parent is the first teacher of any kid. It's the first teacher. It's about whether you're willing to put that time in, given the situation. Now, it's not like this is an extended summer vacation or, you know, we're just being lazy. It's just more or less like this is a health crisis. It's a health crisis. And we have to kind of adjust ourselves to that particular health crisis. So that means all hands on deck, just like it's all hands on deck when you go in that school building, it's all hands on deck when you go home. Because at the end of the day, we all want these kids to succeed. We all want our children to succeed. You have to have a hand in that. I have a daughter, she's up there in age now. She's working and going to college and everything. So that portion here, she didn't have to deal with this. Thank God for that. She didn't have to deal with it. But if you are in that particular situation where you have to, be that child's part of that that education of that child where you have to help them do some schoolwork or have to help them read something, it's up to you to put that time in. It's taking more energy for you to protest that than it is to actually do it. Now to the working parents, I understand where you, you know, I'm working, you know, it's hard for me to do these things. That I'm a single parent. I get it. You want to advocate for that? That's fine. But again, this is a unique situation. So I'm, I'm I'm not being insensitive to that fact of being single parents and and being a, a working parents because these things are, are what they are. But you still have to be a parent. You still have to, you know, give this kid the help that they need when they need it. And for most part, teachers, a lot of teachers do leave office hours. They leave numbers for you to reach out to them. A good teacher will do that any time of the day. Like, listen, you know, if you want to, you need to reach out to me at five o'clock? Here's my number. Text me. I'll jump on. I'll help you with such and such and such. So it's a two-way street. You're not forced to be that child's teacher because it's not like you're coming up with a lesson plan. It's not like you're doing any of these things. Schools will be closed for a while till they get this under control. As you know, Governor Cuomo said the other day, we're coming up on the holidays. And the truth be told is this will look worse after the holidays. So, it's not so much as well the schools are closed, and we're gonna keep everything else around us open. They're saying they're gonna close a lot of things they're gonna restrict travel. they're going back to square one because if you kind of let it go, what's gonna happen is the uh the numbers will go up, situations will get worse. you'll end up being locked down longer. Nobody wants to be in the house teaching or anything. you'd rather be out you know being active and moving around. And it's kind of like I was explaining to the kids today that, you know. Your energy gives us adults energy, you know, to to come here every day to do what we do, dealing with the different personalities and situations. The engagement is what's missed, because even when I was in the actual school building, we're confined to our rooms. It's not like, you know, you're passing each other in the hallway or you're doing this, that and third. And even while in the classroom, there's restrictions in the classroom. Kids are eating lunch in their class. Kids are having gym in their class and music and art. Everything is restricted to them being at that desk. School is not the same no matter where you do it, whether it's at home, whether it's in the building, it's not the same. Unfortunately, this is the sign of where we at right now. So I say to a lot of people who are out here who are protesting and all, it takes more energy to do that then to come up with a solution. Are you mad that schools abruptly closed and you have to find, you know, aftercare or during it, or I guess daycare because you're home. Do I believe that the state should provide something for that? Absolutely. If you're going to close the schools, we need to dip into the kitty and start kind of doling out some money in order to keep people home with their kids during this particular time. Because it's not it's not like it's going to go away tomorrow unless the Lord makes it go away tomorrow. Aside from that, we're in it. We have to deal with it. I think that accommodations, this is the best way I can sum it up for everybody. Accommodations and adjustments have to be made on both ends. It has to be made on both ends. Should there have been a better plan for everything? Of course. You see the administration that we're dealing with. If these things were nipped in the bud about eight months ago, when the administration knew about it, when President Trump knew about it and all, we can get into the whole politics of it. The ball was dropped. It was dropped. We can't just sit there and stare at the ball and say, hey, the ball is on the floor. We we can't we're not picking it up. We're not trying to do anything with it. It's too difficult. It's too hard. We have to try to make the adjustments around it, because obviously you see the ones that are in charge don't care. When I say that, I'm not talking about on a local level, because you have a lot of people on a local level who do care when you're talking about the president and light, he's playing golf. He's not thinking about your kids and your daycare situation. He doesn't even know it exists to be quite honest with you. So what they need to do is actually come up with some type of plan in all of these major cities to kind of accommodate everybody to be home. We have to partner with the local libraries, partner with the daycare centers, something, Give them the money in order for the kids to be there. If being home is an issue, because a lot of times it come down to just monetary issues. Daycare these days is about as high as paying your rent, if not more. In most cases, remember, it's going per child. Some people have two and three children. You know, some people have large families, man. And when you go out here and you're paying daycare, it's almost like you're paying another mortgage or another rent. So I can understand the frustration in that. And not to mention jobs, people, people are, are, you know, have having to stay home. Some companies don't understand that it's up to government to reach out to the companies. Listen, you know, if you have people who have kids and this is the situation that they're dealing with, compensate them in some way. Some, I know some jobs can't be done from home. Some jobs if you work at Amazon. You can't do that from home. You know, if you're a trash collector, you can't do that from home. So that's understandable. But you know, some jobs that are able to accommodate people for being home or kind of make it where they can work from home, do that. These people shouldn't have to be on protest lines, worried about their jobs. But then again, like I said, it takes more energy to protest than it does to actually solve this problem. So like, I, you know, as of this recording right now, I can't speak for tomorrow or next week as of the recording is being published right now. I don't know, you know, if, you know, cities will make these adjustments or if they won't right now, it seems like we have to look at what's higher priority. Do we keep the numbers down? Or do we send the kids back to school? It's about the order of the fight. And the fight right now is not focused on getting the kids back in school. You have to actually try to focus on how do we make the online learning better for right now, for right now. Then you have, you know, people who are kind of saying, well, well, psychologically, this is messing my kid up and things like that. Nobody's telling you not to be able to go see your friends and all. It's just like you can't do all of that and go back into a school building. So this is what I'm just kind of putting together, just my thoughts, just random thoughts, because I'm trying to play both sides to see, you know, kind of give it a balance, because I can understand one side and I can understand the other. Healthcare crisis, education. Healthcare crisis, education. Now, social issues and things, well, you know, your kid can't go see their friends and stuff. Remember, they can—they're going to interact in the community. You know, you're going to interact in the community, but it's just about not being able to be physically in the building. You know, teachers feel the same way; they don't want to sit home. They'd rather be in the building as well. So it's a—it's a—it's a big, big issue, and I think that again, that things should have been handled better. But that's a should of cut of water at this particular moment, and there's nothing we can do about it. But going forward, we got to try to work something out where kids can learn properly. We can try to get this particular uh, pandemic down. Um, Again, like I said, the the protest is not the solution. I think 2020, we had so many protests. And it's not this particular situation here. It's not going to be the solution for whatever the problem is. The problem and the fight should be taken not just on a local level, but taken to a federal level. These are things that should be federal. Local local is not going to dole out the money. Federal have to do that. You know, stimulus checks and things of that nature, they, they're, they're needed at this particular time. And if they stop kicking the political football around, then maybe, just maybe, everyone will get what they need in order to maintain. So with that being said, I'm not going to take up too much of your time because I appreciate the time that you took to listen to this podcast. Um, and I would like to know your thoughts on this. So you can check me out. One Mike Podcast, the only One Mike Podcast, is on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Pretty much any platform that you can stream a podcast on, you can find the only One Mike Podcast. Also, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook under Carl Gerard and on Twitter at the only one mic M-I-C-P-1. There you can drop your comments or send your story requests on any one of those platforms, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. So you can catch me there. I'm the, I'm the symbol that has the microphone on it, Um it's basically my logo is a, is a big silver microphone, so you can find me there. And with that being said, I'm going to let you go. And I will say in closing, speak your truth quietly and clearly and listen to others, even the dull and the ignorant, because they, too, have their story to tell. This is Carl Gerard with the Only One Mic Podcast signing off. Peace.